spread the word. The JCPenney Friends and Family Sale is back. And this week, we're passing the savings on to you. Use your extra 30% off coupon to prep your home and style your family for Easter. That's extra savings on top of our great low prices. Plus, share your coupon with everyone you know and love. It's always better when we save together. JCPenney, make everybody count. Offer valid 311 through 317. Exclusions apply. See store or jcp.com for details. Heavenly Father, I want to come to you tonight, Lord, and I want to thank you for another day that you've given to us, Lord. I want to thank you for all the things that you've done for us, everything that you've blessed us with and bestowed upon us, Lord, because you've always taken care of every need. You've never left us nor forsaken us, Lord. You've never broken a promise with us, and you've given us everything that we need to go through this life and to serve you. Lord, you are our only provider and strong tower. Lord, without you, we would not have the breath in our lungs. We would not be here. Today, Lord, I'm asking that you will come upon this ministry, Lord, that your hands will be in it. Lord, that you would touch each and every one of our lives, that we would have you fully grown in us, Lord, that we would have an understanding of what this walk really means to be with you, Lord. That we would have an understanding of what we need to do to be considered a part of the body of Christ, Lord, to be considered a part of the remnant in these last days that we are living in, Lord, that we will live a life that is acceptable to you, Lord Jesus Christ, that we will have the faith and the belief to go forward and shew forth the signs, Lord, the healing that you want us to do, Lord, your power to the world, Lord. I'm praying that you will help us to have that understanding of what that means, that we will take this walk with you more seriously, Lord, that we will Live a life of prayer and fasting to kill off the flesh, Lord, to get into the Spirit. Yes, Lord. I'm praying, Lord, that you be with this ministry, that we will be a good tree that bringeth forth good fruit, because if not, we will be hewn down and cast into the fire. Lord, I'm praying that whatever we are going through in this day, whether it is sickness or health or injury, family issues, someone's marriage, Lord, whatever it is, I'm praying that we will give it to you, Lord, that you can work all things Lord, there is nothing too impossible for you. There is nothing greater than you, Lord. Yes, Lord. I thank you again, Lord, for all the things that you've done for us. Lord, let your Holy Spirit flow through the Bible study today, Lord. Let your Holy Spirit flow through me, that I say the words that you would have me to say. Guide and direct and lead us into your truths and into all truths, Lord. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Place your shield of protection around us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so tonight before we get started, um, Derek's going to bring forth something and we'll get right into it. All right, I just want to read Psalm 92. It's just always good to have the Lord, to lift him up, to know who he is and to remember these things because... The enemy tries many times to make us forget about God and his goodness. And we become a little self-centered at times where we get to talk about and think about our needs and our wants. And we're not really pursuing what the Lord tells us to do, you know, or how we should feel. So it is good every now and then. I wouldn't say every now and then. It would be good constantly. But, you know, we tend to think every now and then of how good God is. So um, I just want to get started. I'll read Psalm 92. We'll start at verse 1, and it says, It is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord 
and to sing praises unto thy name, O Most High. Now, you know, we've gone over times in the past. We've talked about the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. And one of our most powerful weapons is praise. Okay, so we shouldn't forget to uplift the Lord's name, to speak of him, to um, sing, you know, psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, making melody in our hearts to the Lord. Verse 2, to shew forth thy loving kindness in the morning and thy faithfulness every night. Now, this verse here would easily go into what Jesus Christ has said about loving your neighbor and loving your God, that the light that is in God will shine through to us. Mm -hmm. Upon an instrument of ten strings and upon the psaltery, upon the harp, uh, with a solemn sound. For our, I mean, for thou, Lord, has made me glad through thy works. I will triumph in the works of thy hands. Now, we know from reading Ezekiel 28, we've talked about in times past how Satan himself, when he was Lucifer, he was a musical instrument before the Lord. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think when he fell, the Lord had always intended for us when he made man, for us to be the same things, to be instruments of praise, to be instruments of worship. So we would be temples, we'd be musical instruments, and we would do things to glorify God. Right. This is the purpose for us to reach our full yep. potential in Christ, is to be like Christ. It's for the Holy Ghost in us to live in us that we may do the things that he calls us to do. Exactly. Now, some people would think, well, what kind of God do you have that would make you um, forget? I mean, it would make you want to serve him in every way, having no will of your own. You know, that's just someone that doesn't understand God. And that can be a real immature way of thinking. Because when you understand he is king of kings, that he is Lord of lords, that he is your everything and how much love he has towards you, you know, putting himself aside, giving us grace and mercy to make us follow him or to get us to follow him, mm -hmm. not judging us at a time when we were at our most wretched exactly. and the Lord being yeah. angry with sin every day gives us chance after chance after chance. Then you would want to serve him. I wish I could be the donkey that rode Jesus into town. What an honor that would be. Mm -hmm. So we got to understand who the Lord is to understand why it's good to want to be, you know, a, a, an expressed image of who he is. Exactly. All right. I think we're at verse five and it says, O Lord, how great are thy works and thy thoughts are very deep. A brutish man knoweth not, neither doth a fool understand this. Because we understand that there are a lot of people in this world, unless you have Christ, you are a beast. The Bible makes this clear many times. Okay, so from here, let's hold where we are and let's go to uh, 2 Peter chapter 2, and I believe it's verse 12. And we'll come right back. Okay, uh, let's see, let's start at verse 9, and it says, The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations, and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. But chiefly them that walk after the flesh, uh, in the lust of uncleanness, and despise government. So these people despise the correction that God can give mm -hmm. them. These are just the people that we're talking about in Psalm 92. Yep. All right, they have a problem with everything God says. They don't like 
to be told what to do. They want to be their own man. You know, taking part of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Mm -hmm. Presumptuous are they. Self-willed, you see. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. Mm -hmm. Whereas angels, which are greater in power and might, bring not railing accusation against them before the Lord. So the angels with their power and their might love the Lord. Okay, that they will do things for the Lord. They don't consider themselves more than what they are, even though that they are greater than us in power and might. But they still have that loyalty and faithfulness towards God. Look at verse 12. Here's our issue. But these, as natural brute beasts, made to be taken and destroyed, speak evil of the things that they understand not, and shall utterly perish in their own corruption and shall receive the reward of unrighteousness, as they that count it pleasure to riot in the daytime, spots they are and blemishes, sporting themselves with their own deceivings while they feast with you. Okay, so this tells you here that this is a different type of nature. We can go back to Psalm 92 and finish out, but this is the problem that the Lord has mm -hmm. with us, is that we have too much of the world in us, and man without God is a beast. Yep. All right. Uh, I think it's verse um, seven. seven. Yeah. When the wicked spring as the grass, and when all the workers of iniquity do flourish, it is that they shall be destroyed forever. But thou, Lord, art most high, God, art most high forevermore. For lo, thine enemies, the Lord for a low, thine enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. So what we should think about is, this is one thing if you're an unbeliever, if you're someone not following Christ, mm -hmm. if you're someone whose nature is different than God and you are antichrist, you need to really understand that this is a battle that you cannot win. Let the Lord come into your life and make changes in it. This is verse 10. But my horn shalt thou exalt like the unicorn, I mean like the horn of a unicorn, I shall be anointed with fresh oil. So he's telling you because, you know, a lot of these horns, if you look in the Old Te in the New Testament, when they spoke about this beast that had ten horns, we later learn that those horns represent kings. Okay, so Jesus is saying, or, or David is saying here, that his horn will be exalted like the horn of a unicorn above the head. Mm -hmm. So God's kingdom will be and will never fall. This is verse 11. Mine eye also shall see my desire on mine enemies, and my ears shall hear my desire of the wicked that rise up against me. The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Okay, so when you're righteous, you will flourish in the Lord. He said you will grow like the palm tree. Okay, so the life in you from God will be in you, and that will be a clear sign of your growth is that um, you will sprout. So, you know, along with this tree, I believe that many fruit will grow. That's another study. But we're also talking about the nine fruit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, temperance, meekness, um, goodness, and faith. You know, these are things that we want to have grown in us so we can become more complete in the spirit. All right, verse 13. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall, bring, they shall still uh, bring forth fruit in old age. See, they shall be fat and flourishing. So, you know, this thing is not timeless. I mean, this thing with the Lord is timeless. 
It's not when you get old, you can't do anything, you're wearing down, you're getting weak. Mm -hmm. No, when you're built up in the spirit with Christ, you will be productive even in old age. And this is verse 15. To shew that the Lord is upright, he is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. So when you talk about this rock, I believe that the Old Testament was Jesus Christ concealed. The New Testament is Jesus Christ revealed. Jesus was referred to many times as a rock and being righteous, okay? There was no sin, no guile in Jesus. There was no spot, no blemish upon Jesus. And upon that rock, he will build his church, and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. So that's all I have for right now. But what I just wanted to talk about is the goodness of the Lord and what we can expect if we are following him. And when we're not, like the Bible says, the way of a transgressor is hard. Okay, so take time to chew on that. I'm handing it back to Sarah. She's going to give us a good lesson, and um, we should learn a lot. That was awesome. And it was right on track with what I'm going to be presenting tonight. <laughs> so this evening's lesson is called, Be Yoked with Christ, Jesus Christ and Not with the World. And I think that this is extremely important because when we get, and we're going to look at some examples of what being yoked really means, but when we yoke ourselves to different people or to different things that keep us from doing the Lord's will, and we're going to read where it talks about why we should take on Jesus Christ's yoke instead of the world's yoke, and it's that much easier for, take, for us to take on the, the yoke of Jesus Christ. And we're going to look at what that means, mm -hmm. and we're going to get into some scriptures about it. But if we are yoked to this world, it's just that heaviness and this, that burden that really just weighs us down. I mean, if we are followers of Christ, we spend, I don't know how many hours in the world, either at work, or just doing other things. Not really being in the world, but just seeing the world as it is. And that could even bring a heaviness to us. Like if you are at work and you work with someone that doesn't believe, and they curse every other word, or you know they talk about things that you, you're just not into, mm -hmm. and it's like you try, to, you try and talk to them about the Lord, but it, by the time you leave, it's like, man, you, you feel weighed down or you feel heavy in your own spirit. Mm -hmm. Just... By being around that individual at work, it can happen to you. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you get home and it's like, all right, you know what? I've got to be bathed in the Holy Spirit and be back up under Christ and mm -hmm. be washed again. So, all right, so we'll get into it. We're going to look at some examples of what are the different meanings of yoke. Um, and this is the from the New Testament, so it is Greek 2218, and it's the name Zugos. It means a yoke, a yoke that is put on a drought cattle. It meant like, you know, back in the old days when they would use cattle to plow the field. Metaphorically used as a burden or bondage, as in when the Pharisees, Sadducees, or the uh, religious people would try and bring people back under bondage. Mm -hmm. um, as that of slavery, a troublesome of troublesome law imposed on one, especially of the Mosaic law. Yet Christ even commands us to be submitted to, though his uh, to his commandments, 
though they are easier, though they are easy to take on. Mm -hmm. So, and we're going to look, you know, we know what the, the commandments are of the Lord Jesus Christ. We can read those all through Scripture. You know, so it's Matthew 22, verses 35 through 40, where it says, God says, um, Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, and mind, and love thy neighbor as thyself. These are the two mm -hmm. great commandments. Because if you take on these two, you complete you complete the ten. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to get ahead of myself. but um, Okay, so let's start off with Psalm 55, verse 16. Right. Mm -hmm. Psalm 55, verse 16. As for me, I will call upon God, and the Lord shall save me. Evening and morning, and at noon will I pray and cry aloud, and shall and he shall hear my voice. So as you were talking about in Psalm 92, where it says, um, an important part of a Christian's walk is praise. Well, in praise is also prayer. So when we're at work or when we're doing other things, we should still try and find time to go and pray mm -hmm. and spend time with the Lord. Verse 18, he hath delivered my soul in peace from the battle that was against me, for there were many with me. God shall hear and afflict them, even he that abideth of old, Selah. Because they have no changes, therefore they fear not God. Okay, so these individuals here as well, um, it says, God shall hear and afflict them, even he that abideth of old, Selah, because they have no changes, therefore they fear not God. So, there are individuals today that have no fear of God in their life whatsoever. You go and you try and talk to them, you go and you try and witness to them, there's no changes in their life. It's like you come against a brick wall almost. Mm -hmm. Now, sometimes they may even try and speak evil of you or of us. And we're not even doing anything wrong. We go to work on time. We do what we're supposed to do. We're not causing any problems. We're not loud. We're not boisterous. We're not causing a ruckus. But because we have Jesus Christ in us, our spirit is constantly in conflict with their spirit. And because of that, let's say we're praying at work. You mm -hmm. know, you're in a separate room, officer yourself not causing any problems. But somebody, you know, the devil's got his minions everywhere, <laughs> as mm -hmm. we know. Somebody may say, why, why are they doing that? You know, what's... Mm -hmm. is, that, is that allowed at work? Somebody need to go get the manual and see if that is allowed at work. And before you know it, oh, I'm sorry, but you can't do this anymore. Why? Because there's that conflict. Because they don't want to change. And because mm -hmm. they don't want to change, what do they want to do? They want to bring you under their bondage because they do not want to change but this is what the Lord's going to do to them because of that mm -hmm. verse 20 he hath put forth his hands against such as be at peace with him he hath broken his covenant the words of his mouth are smoother than butter but war is in his heart his words were softer than oil yet were they drawn swords so we're going to run into individuals like this too smooth as butter Oil and honey, you know, they may come across as nice, sweet-sounding words, but what's really going on in their heart is strife. Mm -hmm. It's mischief. It's war, because they're really not into it. Mm -hmm. Verse 22. Cast thy burdens upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. 
That is just the key verse right there. If we cast our burdens upon the Lord, if we give everything to him, let it all go. Raise the white flag and say, Lord, I give it to you. I cannot do this on my own. What's he going to do? He's going to suffice us. He's going to take care of our every need. He's going to make sure that everything in our life is sustained. Now, are we living in evil days? Yes, of course we are. Are we living in a day and age where being a Christian is soon going to be outlawed? Yes, of course we are. But the thing is, is that if the Lord wants us to be at a specific place at a specific time, He's going to allow us to be there. And that's not to say that we're not going to go through persecution, but the thing is that the Lord is going to let us be in places at that time. People don't understand why things, you know, something may happen to us and we're still rejoicing. It's like, how are you in prison? How are you happy? Because the Lord allowed me to be here to witness to you. Mm-hmm. And that's what we have to understand. And that's why we cannot get under the burden of the world. Mm-hmm. Verse 23. But thou, O God, shall bring them down into the pit of destruction. Bloody and deceitful men shall not live out half their days, but I will trust in thee. So the Lord knows what all the deceitful men are doing. The Lord knows if you got a pastor that's lying to you. He knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And he's got his own reservation for that person. Mm-hmm. If we got a lying senator, a lying politician, which is not far-fetched, but if we have those individuals, even not even that far up the chain, mm-hmm. but people in our own congregation, if they're not doing what the Lord called them to do, and if they are willing to deceive men, the Lord already knows. And he says here, they will not live out half their days. Mm-hmm. So that means he already knows about them. We have to stay right with the Lord. Okay? That's right. All right, and next... From here on, from here we're going to go to Deuteronomy chapter 22, because even in the Old Testament, when it came to plowing the crops, you had to have like animals together. You could not put a cattle or you know uh, oxen. You could not put an oxen with a donkey. For one, it's difference in size. It's difference in, uh, you know, a donkey is a relatively slower. And it just would not work out together. These two would not coincide with one another and plow the field. So we're going to look at this. Uh, 22 and verse 9. Thou shalt not sow thy vineyard with diverse seeds, lest the fruit of, their, of, lest the fruit of thy seed which thou hast sown, and the fruit of thy vineyard be defiled. So it's well with the seeds. So diverse seeds. Now that is a literal and a metaphorical saying. So if you planted things that do not go together in your vineyard, well then what's going to happen is you're going to have some kind of crazy mix. It's not going to go well together. Mm-hmm. But that also is saying that in our lives as well when it comes to planting seeds okay Mm -hmm. we cannot plant seeds of um, debate or of envying or of strife or of jealousy backbiting rumors anything that goes against the body of Christ saying that people are going to people can enter into the kingdom of heaven and be idolaters or be homosexuals or be anything that is spirit of antichrist 
we're, pl we're planting diverse seeds in the, in the body of Christ, and mm -hmm. we cannot do that. And that's also a yoke of bondage by doing that because you got conflict. you got two sides going against one another, and it doesn't work that way. Verse 10, Thou shalt not plow, plow an ox and an ass together. Uh, thou shalt not wear a garment of diverse sorts, as of woolen and linen together. So woolen and linen are two fabrics that just do not... Woolen is a uh, very rough like, if you've ever had a wool blanket before, I know when I was in uh, the military and basic training, we had those wonderful wool blankets, hmm. and they were very itchy, and uh, usually one side was a little bit shorter than the other, so it was kind of like not a very, I mean, it'd keep you warm, but, um, but linen is very smooth. It's a very silky, nice kind of substance, so you do not put the two together. They just, it doesn't go together. Right. Okay. And I just wanted to bring that up real quick. So, from here, let's go to Matthew chapter 11, verse 25. All right, Matthew 11 and verse 25. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent, and has delivered them unto revealed. and has thank you and has revealed them unto babes. Now this is also very key because when it means the wise and the prudent, um, it means individuals that can have preconceived notions that they already know what the scripture says and you can't tell them anything or it means this or it means that or it doesn't take all of really what the scripture says to live a godly life mm -hmm. but if you give it under babes as, as it's been said before a child believes everything that their parent tells them generally up until about the age of 12 or 13 and then but there's a certain age when a child will you know you can tell a child one thing and they will believe it right. and that is how the scriptures should be to us that we should take everything that the scripture says as it says. Mm -hmm. And that's why he said, Thou hast delivered it unto babes, unto those that were willing to believe without any reserved notions. All right? Verse 26. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. All things are delivered unto me of my Father. And no man knoweth the Son but the Father, neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son. And he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. So it's like if you have the Son, you have the Father, but you got to have both. Mm -hmm. So that's what that's saying. Yeah. Verse 28, Come unto me, all ye, that are, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So the Lord's saying, every, every burden that you have, every care that you have, everything that you are going through, Cast it upon me, and I will give you rest. Mm -hmm. Take my yoke upon you, and lean on me. For I am meek, which is one of the fruits of the Spirit, and lowly in heart. And ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy. Is easy. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. And lowly is actually another um, gift of the Spirit. Mm -hmm. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, temperance, meekness. Meekness is, you know, humbleness, and so exactly. is lowliness. Exactly. Yeah. And it's true because it's like, just by saying that, 
if you are humble and if you are um, meek, then you're not full of pride. It's not mm-hmm. all about me and what I can gain. It's all about what can I do for others in the body of Christ. Yeah. Like you were saying earlier, uh, earlier, it's like how can I feed, feed the homeless? Lord, show me what I can do for others. And that's what it that's what it really means about having that light burden of Christ and mm-hmm. taking it on and that yoke being easy because when Christ was here on the earth as we know, he never was here for himself. Mm-hmm. Christ always says, I am here to be about my father's business. I am here to do the will of the one that sent me. Mm-hmm. And he, he even said to his disciples after he left, he's like, I will not leave you comfortless. comfortless. So he always had his spirit within his disciples. But and his disciples knew as well what that entailed. They were always out to make sure that people knew about Christ. It was always never self-serving. And the thing about taking on the burden of the world is it's always about self-serving. Mm-hmm. And that is a very heavy burden because if you are in the world, if you are all about self, then there's always this persona that you have to keep up. There's always this, what do people think about me? What's mm-hmm. that person saying about me? Mm-hmm. Does this person like me? Do my parents like me? Does this individual think poorly of me? It's always about self. And when you're always about self, that is a very heavy burden to keep mm-hmm. up. I mean, for crying out loud, you can't take enough Instagram pictures and put them on Facebook to keep up with it. Because it's always about you. It's always about how I look. How does this person think about me? But if you take on Christ's burden and Christ's joke, which says it's easy, you're never about self. Mm-hmm. Self is one less person you got to worry about <laughs> when it That's comes true. to that. You know, And it's not to say that we don't have to work out our own salvation, because yes, we do. But if mm-hmm. we take on that burden of Christ and that yoke of Christ, Self is removed out of the picture, and mm-hmm. you're always willing to serve others, and it's just that much easier when you're willing to do that. Okay? Um, alrighty, and then from here, unless you have anything to add, we're going to go to Acts 15. And verse 1. <clears throat> In Acts 15 and verse 1, we're going to look at, of course... Pharisees, Sadducees, and what the religious people are constantly trying to do and what they are still constantly trying to do. Mm-hmm. All right, verse 1. A certain man which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, Except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses, ye cannot be saved. When therefore, when therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissemination and disputation with them, Dissension? Yeah. Okay, dissension and disputation with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain other of them should go up to Jerusalem unto the apostles, unto the apostles and elders with this question. So you constantly have individuals coming. What about the law of this? What about the law of that? What does the church say about this? You know, what does the whoever say about that? You guys need to go find out or we're not going to do anything else. Verse 3. And being brought on their way by the church, they passed through Venice and Samaria, declaring the conversation of the Gentiles. And they caused great joy unto all the brethren. 
And when they were come to Jerusalem, they were received of the church and of the apostles and elders, and they declared all things that God had done with them. But there rose up certain of the sect of Pharisees, which believed, saying, that this was needful to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. Now, why are they saying this? Because the Pharisees were one of the groups of the religious that constantly were trying to keep people under the law of Moses. Even they themselves, although they themselves were not keeping it, but they thought that these individuals needed to do this. Now, we're going to see, and I don't want to jump ahead of myself, we're going to see what this doesn't do, but I'm just putting it out there that there's always going to be individuals when you go in and you say, this is what the Lord's done for me. I mean, praise the Lord, brethren, and we should get together. Mm -hmm. Then here come the Pharisees walking right in. Well, hold up a second. Mm -hmm. What about what this says over here? You can't have the joy of the Lord around people who constantly want to bring you under bondage. Why? Because mm -hmm. it's not in them own selves. There, there's just something within them that's just not right. right. And they have to come against you. Yeah, that's true. Verse 6, And the apostles and elders came together for to consider of this matter. And when they had been much to and when there had been much disputing, Paul rose up and Peter. said, Peter, thank you. Peter rose up and said unto them, Men and brethren, you know how that a good while ago God made choice among us, that the Gentiles by mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, which knoweth the hearts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us. So what is Peter saying right here? The law of Moses, as it's been discussed before, was a schoolmaster for the Israelites when they came out of bondage. But when Christ came and died on the cross for all, that meant the Jews, the Gentiles, those that were of the seed of Abraham, and for the adopted, that is for all, when Christ came and died on the cross, he completed the law, which meant, as we've said before, love the Lord thy God and love thy neighbor as thyself. Mm -hmm. So at this time, what Peter's trying to tell them is the fact that the Mosaic law is brings you back up under bondage because mm -hmm. you have to complete the whole law. Right. Verse 9, And put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now therefore, why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? So Peter's trying to tell them right here, good majority of the people could not keep the law of Moses. You know, it's just that they got away with it. <laughs> mm -hmm. But it was, very, it, was, it was very hard to keep it. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's not to say that the Lord didn't work in those situations too. The Lord knows all things. Mm -hmm. You know, he still uses people, but that's what that law was for. Verse 11, But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ we shall be saved, even as they. Then all the multitude kept silence and gave audience to Barnabas and Paul, declaring what miracles and wonders God had wrought among the Gentiles by them. So after Peter said this, he silenced the crowd, 
Okay, tell us what's going on here. Verse 13. And after they had held their peace, James answered, saying, Men and brethren, hearken unto me. Simeon hath declared how God hath God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take them out to take out of them a people for his name and to this agree the words of the prophets as it is written after this I will return and will build up again the tabernacle of David which was fallen down and I will build again the ruins thereof and I will set it up again that the residue of men might seek after the Lord and all the Gentiles upon whom my name is called, saith the Lord, who doth all these things. So what this is saying here is we know that Jesus Christ is of the offspring of David, King David. And what this is also saying is that Jesus Christ came, died on the cross, and rose again. And that ruin and that residue would be the people that would follow after him. It would be his people, and it would also be people later on that would come to know Christ. And from here, hold where you are. Let's go to Amos 9, verse 11. Amos 9 verse 11 In that day will I raise up a tabernacle of David that is fallen and close up the, bre the breaches thereof and I will raise up his ruins and I will build it as in the day of old that they may possess the remnant of Edom and of the heathen which are called by my name saith the Lord saith the Lord that doeth this so Again, we're seeing it here. Mm -hmm. Now, we know that Edom um, was a people that decided uh, not to believe in the Lord. And mm -hmm. Edom uh, would constantly go against his brother. But the offspring of that situation would come upon the people that would eventually believe in Jesus Christ. So what the Lord is saying here is, is that I have my chosen people. Yes, the Israelites are my people. But there are individuals later on that are going to come to know me. They may not be totally of the descent of Israel, but they will come to know me. They will believe in me. And if I died on the cross for all, that means that my chosen people and those that are not will come to know me. So... And even if people are the people of Israel, the thing is, is that Jesus Christ said, you have to believe on the Lord, Je the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved. Mm -hmm. So that did not matter. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't just say, I'm an Israelite and be saved. That's right. You know, because it's like, you may think you're an Israelite. The scripture may say, well, this color of an individual says that I am an Israelite. Okay. Well, do you believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and to be saved? Because that is what you have to do. That is what the scripture says that you have to do. That's why a lot of people are kidding themselves, thinking they, what your color is and who you are. Mm -hmm. If you're Israel, you think that you're getting in. And no, you've got to be like Christ. 
The Bible says that God is a spirit and we shall worship him in spirit and in truth. Exactly. We shall not know him after the flesh. No man shall know him after the flesh. So what color Jesus was was irrelevant. Do you believe in him or you don't? So it's true. Yep, exactly. All right, um, verse 11. I mean, sorry, verse 13. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that the plowman shall take overtake the reaper, and the treader of grapes him that soweth seed. And the mountains shall drop sweet wine, and all the hills shall melt. And I will bring again the captivity of my people of Israel, that, and they shall build the waste cities and inhabit them, and they shall plant vineyards and drink the wine thereof, and they shall also make gardens and eat of the fruit of them. And I will plant them among their land, upon their land, and they shall no more be pulled up out of their land, which I have given them, saith the Lord God. So, what the Lord is saying here is that there will come a time when he will, yes, place his chosen people back into their land. Place his chosen people back into their land. But at the same time, it's not going to, we can go back to Acts now, but it's not going to be just them. He is going to bring all that believe in him unto him. So this is one thing that we have to say, like you were saying, we can't get caught up with race or color or who is this and who is that. Are we believers in Jesus Christ? Because that is what it really boils down to. That's why he tells us not to get involved in English, endless genealogies Genealogy. and questions of all that strife. Exactly. It's all garbage. Exactly. All right, so back at Acts 15, verse 18. Known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world. Wherefore, my sentence is that we trouble them not, which from which from among the Gentiles are turned to God. But that we write unto them that they abstain from pollutions of idols, and from fornication, and from things strangled, and from blood. So, he's just saying to them what we should be doing. We should be abstaining from idols. We should be abstaining from fornication, and having things strangled with blood. You know, because it's like the life is in the blood. We've talked about that already. So if you're eating something that has blood in it, well, it's a very good possibility you could take on the spirit of that of that soul. you are eating. Huh? Soul. So, yeah, thank you. The soul of that you are eating. So he's not telling them anything different than the way we should be living. That's right. Verse 21, For Moses of old time hath in every city them that preach him, being being read in the synagogue every Sabbath day. Okay, so, you know, again here what they're saying about the Gentiles is that it did not, you know, what, what was, why were they trying to bring them under the bondage of circumcision when Christ was freely given to all? That's right. So from here, and we're going to read a little bit more on this in Galatians 5 and 1. Are we done with them? Yes. All right. Alright, Galatians 5 and 1. Stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be ye not entangled again unto the yoke of bondage. So Christ is trying to give us liberty and to be free. Mm -hmm. What is that yoke of bondage? We'll keep reading. 
Before I, Paul, behold. behold, I, Paul, say unto you, that if ye be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. So, okay, for a man, most individuals, when they are circumcised, it's usually when they're babies. But you can be circumcised as a male, and you can believe in Christ, or you cannot believe in Christ. Mm-hmm. I think most individuals do that as a health reason. But it doesn't, I mean, you could be the most worldly person in the world and say, oh, I want to be circumcised. So what does it profit Christ for you to be circumcised, really? Okay? Mm-hmm. Verse 3. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to the whole law. There you go. Christ has become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law are fallen from grace. So, this here is also saying that if you are up underneath the law, then the grace of Jesus Christ is not upon you. Why? Because you're trying to do works to enter into the kingdom of heaven. You're trying to take the place of what Jesus Christ had already done. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And the Lord Jesus Christ, and it's not to say that after we are saved there is not a workmanship that needs to be done of course there is but like you said if we're trying to put this into place of what jesus christ has done then you're bringing yourself back under that bondage again. right like our own righteousness is not enough mm-hmm. verse five for we thought for we through the spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith for in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. So if we have that faith in the love of Jesus Christ, which we know what that means, it means it's telling everyone the truth that is in Jesus Christ, and not trying to take the scriptures in our own little, well I think the Bible says this, well if you look over here and it says this, and that, I tell you what, individuals that are Today, trying to bring people under the bondage of the law again, they know what the Bible says. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, is that they do not believe that Mary or that Jesus Christ was immaculately conceived. They do not believe that the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus Christ. And on top of that, they're racist. They believe that the Gentiles were of a certain color too. You know, whether they were black. So, you mean to tell me that the entire Bible, and it's not to say that the Israelites were not a certain color, but you mean to tell me that everyone was all of one color? That there were not diverse colors after the Tower of Babel? Because I believe that the Lord said he split up their tongues to make them go out, right? Mm -hmm. So, it's like, you mean to tell me that there was no (laughs) diversity? That everyone was one way? But that's individuals trying to bring us back under the law. And you cannot be a racist and enter into the kingdom of heaven. That is just not possible. Because you are proud. You have a very proud spirit. And carnal. And carnal. minded. And that goes for any races. I'm not just picking on one. It's like if you're white and you're a racist, guess what? The same end is going to be for you. So it's like we cannot have that in our life. And it does bring people under bondage. All right, verse 7. Ye did run well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? So what he's saying here is that you were going straight on the path for a while, 
But all of a sudden, somebody came up to you and says, I think you should check this out. And I think that this is the truth. Now, the scriptures also says that we should test the spirits to see if they be of Christ or of Antichrist. So we got to test those spirits because they will hinder us. Mm-hmm. Verse 8. This persuasion cometh not from him that calleth you. So, Christ, was not per- Christ did not persuade us in this matter. Somebody else did. Verse 9. A little leaven, leaven, a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. So, in other words, if we get caught off, if we get caught off guard with just a little bit of false teaching, just a little bit of false doctrine, it could pollute the our entire body, our mm-hmm. entire nature that we have, which is we're supposed to be a new creature in Christ. So if we allow in anything, just a little bit, that is not of Christ, guess what? We can go into a false doctrine. We can even get persuaded to go back into sin, a life that we had left. So we got to be careful of that. Verse 10. I have confidence in you through the Lord that ye will be none otherwise minded. But he that troubleth you shall bear his judgment whosoever he be. So he's saying here is this, is that I have confidence that you're going to get back on track. You're going to continue what the Lord told you to do. You're going to seek the Lord. You're going to pray. You're going to fast. You're going to do everything that the Lord called you to do. Leave this individual alone because the Lord has reserved judgment for him. Mm-hmm. Let him alone because he's dangerous. He's going to try and bring you back under that bondage that you are, the Lord's already delivered you from. All right, let's uh, go to Galatians 2, real quick, 1 through 7, and then we'll move on from there. All right, 2, 1 through 7. Yeah. Okay. Then 14 years after I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and took Titus with me also, and I went up by revelation and communicated unto them unto them that the gospel which I preached among the Gentiles, but privately to them which were of reputation, lest by any means I should run or had run in vain. So what he's saying here is that we'll read verse two again. And I went up by revelation and communicated unto them that gospel which I had preached among the Gentiles, but privately to them which were uh, which were of reputation, lest by any means I should run, or I had run in vain. So what Paul's saying here is he's just going up, he's declaring to them what he had preached unto the Gentiles, but them of reputation, um, he said it privately to them. So Paul was never about himself after the Lord had delivered him. He was never about himself. So he didn't want to do anything that was of that would bring him or make him appear to be vain. So to him, running that race and sharing the gospel, he had the spirit, mightily the spirit of discernment upon him about what he said and who he said it to. So he would not be in vain. Verse 3, But neither Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. There we go again with the circumcision. <laughs> and that because of false brethren unawares brought in, who came in privately to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, 
that they might bring us unto bondage. Now, this is a very key verse because when we have a ministry or whatever somebody's doing for the body of Christ, the that Satan is always going to try and have his false ministers at times come in. Mm-hmm. And he, they are there to spy out our liberty. And why is that? Because it is to bring individuals back under bondage. Now, let's say we have Bible study one night and we're gathering afterwards and we're talking about stuff and we're talking about man the glory of the lord and what he's done for me and you know i've been able to talk to people at work about christ and um i feel the lord's called me to pray and fast more and to give up tv and you know to stop doing certain things that are keeping me from him and all of a sudden you got a little spy going up trying to, to spy out our liberty like are you really sure that you can't watch TV, you know, more than you study the Word. And, but if you've got a babe in Christ that has just started coming to the Bible study, what does that do for that individual? Now, those that are strong in Christ, rebuke that person. But the thing is, is that now that individual has planted a seed in that new person's mind. Mm-hmm. And it's made them question, like, yeah. I wonder if I really do have to give up everything to serve Christ. I mean, that sounds kind of hard to me, you know. Well, as we've been talked about before, Christ takes things out of our life when we are ready to give them up, you know. Well, so he'll reveal to us, you know, things mm-hmm, too mm-hmm, that we mm-hmm. will want to. Right. You know, so you do have a change in nature even when, you know, you are growing in Christ. Exactly. Yeah, some people will try and just link you to bondage, trying mm-hmm. to get you to follow them. Like a slave hates to see a free man. Right. You know, they find you free in Christ. They want to bind you through religious works and rituals mm-hmm. that have nothing to do with Jesus. Yeah. You know? It was just like, you know, or it could be just like if someone is attached to celebrating Christmas and you have an individual that. Let's say there was a sermon or a, a, a lesson preached against why or what Christmas really means. We know that it is celebrating the birth of Nimrod, or Tammuz, Nimrod. And someone tries to Christianize Christmas. Well, if that is brought up and you're trying to help people get away from serving these satanic holidays because that is what they are, if someone tries to Christianize something that we should not, it's going to make that other individual question whether or not they should. Instead of seeking the scriptures and what the scriptures says about it, now it makes them question what it really means. And you're now putting a yoke of bondage upon that person to debate within themselves, should I really do this or should I not? Can I Christianize it or can I not? You know, it's like, well, what does the scripture say about it? You know, there's several places. you got Jeremiah 5, 44, 10. You know, there's even in the New Testament where it says that we should not do these things, Galatians. So it's like, if the Bible says don't do it, then by you saying, oh, as long as you Christianize it, it's fine, then it's like you're bringing that yoke of bondage upon that person. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you're definitely right with that. Um, all right, so verse 5. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> verse 5. To whom we gave place by suggestion, subjection, no, not for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue 
with you. So they didn't even give this person space to even just do what they were trying to do. Verse 6. But of these whom seem to be somewhat whatsoever they were, it maketh no matter to me. God accepted, accepteth no man's persons. So right here it is even saying that you cannot be a certain way and enter into the kingdom of heaven. God does not accept no man's persons. Not a respectable person. Exactly. Yeah. So Paul is also saying here as well that whatever this person was doing, it makes no difference to me. For they who seem to be somewhat in conference added nothing to me. But counterwise, contrary wise, when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision was committed unto me as the gospel of the circumcision was unto Peter. For, for he that wrought effectually in Peter the apostleship, apostleship of the circumcision, the same mighty, me, mighty in me toward the Gentiles. So, and I wish I could find that scripture, but although Paul did go out and he initially spoke to the Jews, he would go out and speak to the Gentiles, and then Peter would go and speak to the Jews as well. So, um, what it was saying here is that it didn't matter who was speaking to who, the circumcision or of the uncircumcision. The thing is, is that Christ had to be preached to all. Like he was also given the right to speak. Mm-hmm. The same way Peter was given the right or authority to speak to the uh, Jews. Right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So what it's saying here that Paul was going on preaching to the Gentiles as well. So it's like after a while he got tired of preaching to the Jews because they weren't listening. So he's like, from now on I'm just going to go preach to the Gentiles because I know that they will give me ear. Alright, so from here let's go to First John 5 and 1. Alright, 1 John 5 and 1. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And every one that loveth him that begat loveth him also that hath begotten him. So, if you love the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to love God the Father too. Verse 2. By this we know that the love of the children of God... <clears throat> By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and we keep his commandments. Now, I've been on this already a couple of times tonight, but we know what the commandments are. Verse 3. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. <clears throat> Sorry. Verse 4. No, I thought I had missed something. Okay, never mind. Um, okay, verse four. For whatsoever for who for whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? So it is saying here that God's commandments are not grievous. So if we keep those commandments in the Lord. 
and we do what he has called us to do, um, then they won't be hard. It's not going to be something that's going to be hard to follow, as we've you know been saying. And we will be able to, if we are born of God, we will be able to overcome the world. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Those three things that keep us bond to this world, we will be able to overcome them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by doing those commandments. Okay. Um, I thought I had written down another scripture that I had missed, but I guess I didn't. Um, okay. So from here, let's go to 2 John 1, verse 6. <clears throat> okay. okay. And this is love, that we walk after his commandments. This is the commandment, that as ye have heard from the beginning, ye should walk in. For many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus is come in the flesh. That is a deceiver. This is a deceiver and of Antichrist. So, many individuals today, or yeah, today, want to try and bring us back up under something that we are not a part of. And that is, if we are followers of Jesus Christ, we believe in the power of Jesus Christ we believe in what he did while he was here on earth and what he wrought through his disciples and it still continues on to this day mm -hmm. but individuals today that don't believe in that and saying well that was a old time and it stopped after the disciples you know died off well that's because they don't want it in their own lives they want to live a certain way. They want to have their happy-go-lucky lives. They want to just go to church on Sunday or on Wednesday or when there's revival. Mm -hmm. They want to have some sort of spiritual high that they get while they're there, ooing and on and shouting for the, you know, for the pastor. Mm -hmm. And having the pastor basically condone their sin or basically have the pastor say, well, you know, yeah, it's, it's cool. You can live that way. Or basically having the pastor uh, atone their sins for them because they themselves don't want to confess it. They themselves don't want to believe in the Lord. So if we believe in the power of Jesus Christ that we can through the Lord Jesus Christ heal the sick, raise the dead, open blind eyes and deaf ears and speak in new tongues, then if we believe in that, there are individuals out there that don't believe in that they only want to take their Christian walk so far, then they see what you have and they don't want to go that far because they don't want to give up their sins. They're going to try and say, well, that, that doesn't exist anymore, right? You know, that was of old time. Why don't you just come over here and go to my church and listen to what this pastor has to say? So what are they trying to do? They're trying to bring us back under a yoke of that bondage of only taking a walk so far that this is all that you have to do. Verse 8, look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. Whosoever transgresseth and abide not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ hath both the Father and the Son. 
So, if we're following everything that Jesus Christ tells us to do, we have both Christ and God the Father. But, we already know what a transgressor is, is someone that goes back into willful sin. So, they were gone, maybe a little while, and then they decided to go back into their sin. Why? Because they did not really want Christ in their life. Verse 10. Okay, yeah, verse 10. If there come any of... If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. For he that biddeth him Godspeed is a partaker of his evil deeds. So if anyone comes and they're not bringing what the Lord Christ said, the Lord Jesus Christ said, and they're trying to bring some other doctrine, don't let them in. Why? For all you know, they could be of uh, witchcraft. They could be of a uh, divining spirit. They might try and cast a spell on you while they're in your house. So we cannot let them in there. You're also supporting them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if so we bid them you'd be a partaker of his evil deeds. Right, yeah. exactly. If we bid them Godspeed, that's exactly what will happen. Okay, so from here, let's go to Deuteronomy 7, verse 1. Alright, Deuteronomy 7, verse 1. When the Lord thy God shall bring thee into the land whither thou goest to possess it, and hath cast out many nations before thee, the Hittites, and the Gergesites, and the Amorites, and the Canaanites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than thou, and when the Lord thy God shall deliver them before thee, thou shalt smite them and utterly destroy them. Thou shalt make no covenant with them, neither shew mercy unto them. Now, as we know that all these individuals that we just named off were giants, and that they had the blood of fallen angels within them, so that they were individuals that were not even supposed to be here in the first place. Okay, They, they did not have the seed of God in them. So when they were to come up to these individuals, they were to destroy them, utterly get rid of them, don't make a covenant with them, do not be involved with them whatsoever, do not put yourself in bondage with these individuals. Why? Because they would turn around and smite you. Okay, um, verse 3. Neither shalt thou make marriages with them, thy daughters thou shalt not give unto his son. Nor his daughter shalt thou take to thy son, for they will turn away thy son from following me. They will, they, that they may serve their gods. Other gods. <laughs> Other gods. So will the anger of the Lord be kindled against you and destroy you suddenly. Okay, and we know from reading on as well. Um, that these individuals here did serve other gods. We know that they did not serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, uh, verse 5. <clears throat> but, thus, but thus shall ye deal with them. Ye shall destroy their altars, 
and break down their images, and cut down their groves, and burn their graven images with fire. So, we know that they served other gods. We know that they were worshiping the groves. We know what the grove is. That is the image of the, the female form. And he's saying here is that if you go in and you make a covenant with this individual or if you, you know, basically be in bondage with them, you will. if you give your son or daughter to them, what they're going to do is they're going to pull them away from serving me unto their gods. So they're going to pull them away to uh, serving things that are not that are not right before my sight. Right. Okay, and let's go over to... We're also going to read Deuteronomy chapter 28. Oops. That scripture was on my mind today. Deuteronomy 28. Yes. All right, Deuteronomy 28. We're going to look at. We're going to kind of split this one half because it is such a long chapter. Um, we're going to see the first ten verses, and then we're going to go to the last. Uh, three verses, but Deuteronomy 28 was where God told his people what would happen if they followed him and they served him and what he would do for them. But he also told them what would happen if they decided to not follow after his law, statutes, and commandments and go after other gods and other idols. What would happen to them? So the Lord spoke plainly to the children as he does to us today. What will happen in our life if we go and we become in bondage unto the world. So let's verse, we'll look at verse 1 here of chapter 28. And it came to pass, and it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and to do all his commandments, which I <coughs> command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come unto thee, and overtake thee, if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. Blessed shalt thou be in the city, and blessed shalt thou be in the field. Blessed shalt thou, sh blessed shall be the fruits of thy body, and and the fruit of the of thy ground, and the fruit of thy cattle, the increase of thy kind, and the flocks of thy sheep. Blessed shall be thy basket and thy store. Blessed shalt thou be, shalt thou be when thou comest in, and blessed shalt thou be when thou goest out. The Lord shall cause thine enemies that rise up against thee to be smitten before thy face. They shall come out against thee one way, and they shall flee before thee seven, these seven ways. So the Lord is saying here is that is that he was going to bless Israel in all manner. He was going to bless them if, with children. He would bless them um, if they plowed their field. He would give them abundance of fruit. And he would take care of them. If any enemy tried to come up against them, the Lord would protect them from those en enemies, and the enemies would end up running away from them. So the Lord is telling them what kind of a a, you know, a blessed life they would have, one that we can only think about having for his people. Verse 9, The Lord shall establish thee in holy people, 
unto himself, as he hath sworn unto thee. If thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God, and walk in his ways, and all people of earth shall see that thou art called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of thee. So the Lord's saying here as well that, you know, if the people of Israel did his commandments and kept his sayings, that all other people would know it and that they would be afraid of them because they would have the Lord on their side. Now, what we're also going to see here is that if we go over to the end of the chapter, verse 65, and well, we'll start up at, um, I will say that up at verse 15, 28 and 15, uh, we're not going to start off there, but just the backdrop, backdrop here is that the Lord told Israel what would happen if the people decided, if his people decided not to follow him, what would happen? And he gave very explicit instructions of how hard their life would be if they decided to follow up after other nations and after other gods, what would happen to them. And he told them straight out that they would end up, you know, being taken away by other nations. Like his hand basically would be moved off of them because they decided not to follow the Lord. Right. And we're not going to read all these verses, but we're going to go and look at verse 65 through 68 here. And among these nations shalt thou find no ease, neither shall the sole of thy foot have rest. <clears throat> but the Lord shall give thee there shall give thee there a trembling heart, and a feeling of eyes, and a sorrow of mind. And thy life shall hang in doubt before thee. So when that when your life hangs in doubt before thee, that means you don't know how much longer you are going to live. Mm -hmm. Every day it's a constant, are they going to kill me? Right. Verse 66. And thy life, sh okay, shall hang before thee. Thou shalt fear day and night. Thou shalt have no assurance of thy life. In the morning thou shalt say, would God it be evening? And in the evening thou shalt say, would even. God. In the evening, even. even thou shalt say, would God it were morning. So day and night. This doubtfulness of thy life, the weariness of the balance of thy life will hang in thy hands and not, you know, you won't, you won't have any idea if you're going to get be taken at night. You won't have any idea if you're going to be taken during the day. There's a constant turmoil upon your life. Okay. Uh, for the fear of thine heart with... Okay. For the fear of thine heart wherewith thou shalt fear, and for the sight of thine eyes which thou shalt see. And the Lord shall bring thee into Egypt again with ships. Now what this is saying here is, is that the children of Israel had already left Egypt. But what it is saying is that Egypt was a place, but it was also a bondage as well for the children of Israel. It was a metaphorical bondage so to, with another nation. So he was letting them know, he was reminding them that Egypt was a place that you were in bondage for for over 400 years. 
And then I delivered you out of this bondage. I parted the Red Sea for you. I brought you out of this. I delivered you. And now, if you decided not to, in which we know that the Israelites decided to take the hard route, that he told them, I would deliver you into Egypt, basically telling them, you would be under this bondage yet again for a time you don't know how long it will be. Okay, the first time it was 400 years. Now, it was because of the hardness of their hearts. And that is something, and we'll read here, I'll continue on in this verse in a second. That is something that we all need to understand, is that when the Lord takes us out of a bondage situation that we are in, in the world, and He opens our eyes to the truth, that... He doesn't want us going back into that bondage. Okay? But if we constantly fight him tooth and nail along the way, and we don't want to do what he wants us to do, even though his yoke is easy, it's even said that before, even though his yoke is easy, then the Lord is not a dictator. And he may let us go back into certain situations because that's where we want to be in the first place. Okay, he doesn't want us going back into that bondage, but it's easy. We will go back our own selves. You know, it's kind of like a a mother walking down the aisle of the supermarket with a kid. And the kid's mom's holding the child's hand because it's like, hey, you know, I know what's best for you. I need to hold your hand because if I don't hold your hand, you're going to run into something. You're barely walking. You're Mm -hmm. running to that post that's ahead of you. Mm -hmm. You run into that person that's beside you. Why? Because as a baby, you're constantly doing this number here. You know, you're, you're not looking straight ahead. You're looking mm-hmm. everywhere else besides where. And the child wants to constantly yank its hand away from the parent because it thinks it knows what it wants to do. And, you know, the Lord does not want us back into that bondage of the world again. Sometimes we think, well, maybe I can just dabble a little and I'll be okay. Mm-hmm. Nope. That is not how it works. Usually if we get back into sin, even if it's just a little bit, what happens? What does the verse say? A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. So if you think you can get back into a little bit of a sin, before you know it, you're completely back in. You've gone farther in than you thought you would, you thought you would ever go. And mm-hmm. one morning you wake up and you, how did I get here? How did my life take this kind of a turn? All I did was go to the bar and have one drink. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe that handsome, for us women, maybe that handsome guy came up with a 12-piece suit on. I don't know how many pieces of a suit are there, but... And he started sweet-talking you. And before you know it, you end up in bondage to him. Or a girl Mm -hmm. to the guy, she come up wearing a very nice dress hair all nice looking and everything was saying sweet words all that kind of stuff and if you're you know you're not thinking right you're not in the fruit of the spirit because you're in a place you shouldn't be in the first place you can get carried away into bondage to that again so we have to be very careful when the Lord's deliver us from things we got to stay completely away from those things that he delivered us from mm-hmm. you cannot go back into them because that is a bondage Alright, finish up verse 68 here. <clears throat> Thou shalt not see it no more again. Basically, 
where the Lord took them from, they would not be going back into their land until he delivers them back into it. And there ye shall be sold unto your enemies for bondmen and bondwomen, and no man shall buy you. So the Lord was telling them that they would be sold and that no man would buy them. They would look upon them as, you know, who are these and people? No man would redeem them or free them. <clears throat> mm -hmm. Yeah. All right, so from here, let's go to 2 Thessalonians 3 and 6. We're done in Deuteronomy. Second Thessalonians 3 and 6 Now we command you brethren in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that ye withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly and not after the traditions which he received of us. So someone that is walking disorderly is someone that is uh, causing strife. They're not wanting to live a godly life. Um, they're coming against the body of Christ. We are not to walk after them. Verse 7. For yourselves know how ye ought to follow us. For we behaved not ourselves disorderly among you. Neither did we eat any man's bread for naught. But wrought with, with labor and travail night and day. That we might not be chargeable to any of you. So what they're saying here is, is that. You know that they worked with them. And they did not just sit around and do nothing. But they worked in the body of Christ. So that way they would not be chargeable to any man. They lived an acceptable life before God and before the brethren. Okay, they weren't talking, you know, uh, they weren't constantly going around saying curse words. They weren't constantly going around saying who did what on Facebook. They weren't constantly going around spreading rumors. Or, you know, going up to somebody and say, hey, you know, I saw Johnny's wife over at the bar the other night. And I think that, you know, she was doing this. Or, you know, in the South, the, the big thing is that the women at the beauty shop, you know, heads under the curler and sitting there just taking yaddy Kathy back and forth at one another. You know, that's not how we're supposed to be. You know, we're not supposed to be walking disorderly. We're supposed to be encouraging one another, lifting others up so they can get it right. You know, talking to people. Hey, man, what, what you got going on? How can I help you? And building each other up, not bringing each other down, because that's how the body gets destroyed. Verse so, 9, huh? So that's right. Verse 9. Not because we have not power, but to make ourselves an example for you to follow us. So, Paul's saying, this is how we walk. This is how Christ has instructed us to walk. This is how you should walk. Verse 10. For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. So the body of Christ cannot be lacking in that manner. So there's individuals out there that are not doing what they're supposed to do. Then, you know, if they're not working and doing what they're supposed to do, it plainly, it plainly says it right here, that they do not eat. Okay? So what it means is that we can't be lazy within the body of Christ. All right, uh, verse 11. 
For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. So we know what a busybody person is. It's someone that's uh, constantly going around, seeing what kind of trouble that they can cause. You know, they'll go in. Other men's affairs. Yep. Other men's affairs. Yep, exactly. Verse 12. Now them that are such we command and exhort by the Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. So if there's a busybody within the body of Christ, that individual has to be set straight. Okay? They have to be rebuked in the name of Jesus. And there's nothing wrong with rebuking a demonic spirit out of somebody because that's exactly what it is. But they need to know this is not how an individual acts in the body of Christ. You can't be acting this way because you're going to destroy the body. Mm -hmm. Okay? Verse 13. But ye, brethren, be not weary in well-doing. And if any man obey not our words by this apostle, note that man and have no company with him, that he may be ashamed. So what is it saying here? It's like, you got someone who's a busybody? If you entertain that spirit, then you're just as bad off as they are. Okay? Because now we get involved in other man's affairs and where we should not. So it is saying, note that man and have no company with him, that he may be ashamed. Now, that this person will come back to Jesus Christ. That they will see that what they are doing is wrong and want to get their lives right. But we cannot get involved with what they are doing because then it, it brings us down. It causes us to stray. It causes us to go into the bondage of what they are doing. We cannot do that. Mm -hmm. Verse 15. Yet count him not as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. So don't count him as an enemy. You know, tell him what he's doing is wrong in, in Jesus Christ, saying, look, I, I, according to the scriptures, we should not be doing this, okay? And I'm telling you what the Lord told me to tell you. This is what you need to do and get it right. So count him as a brother, not an enemy. Now, if, they, if that person decides to walk away, that's their own, that's on them. But as long as we're telling them in the truth of Jesus Christ and trying to bring them up and trying to bring them back in, saying that this is what the Lord's will is, then hey, that's what we're supposed to do. All right, from here, I knew that, I knew that this study wasn't going to be that long, but Romans 8 and 12. Next, we're done in Thessalonians. Unless you have anything. No. Man, I'm ready to go to bed. <laughs> All right, Romans 8 and 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of your body, ye shall live. So basically what it's saying here is that if we are followers of Jesus Christ, we got to get rid of that fleshly nature. We cannot live after the flesh. It has to go. And there's only one way that the flesh gets killed off. That is through fasting and prayer. Okay, the flesh does not like it when you do not eat. But I'm telling you, you will get that much closer in the spirit when we do fast. When we deny self... 
when we decide to not be under that bondage, free ourselves of it, and follow the Lord, you will, I tell you what, it is such a difference through fasting. And I'm telling anyone who's listening in, give fasting a try. I'm telling you, please, it will really help you out. Now, that doesn't mean that the flesh is not going to fight you on it. It will. But if you have a breakthrough after fasting for a day or so, it will really help. And of course, pray while you're fasting as well, because the Lord will guide and direct you. Verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. So the Lord is saying here is that after you've been delivered, I did not give you that spirit of bondage of fear again. I gave you the Holy Spirit, the spirit of adoption. I have adopted you into the body of Christ is what he is saying here. Verse 16, the spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit. Spirit, uh, what is it? Spirit, um, deep calleth yeah, under deep. deep calleth under deep. So God's spirit, God doesn't deal with us. God deals with our spirit. Okay? We are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If so, be that we suffer with him, that we may be glorified together. So if we suffer with Christ, then we will glorify together with him in heaven one day. And we need to understand that, that in the, there are people today that do not believe that we're going to go through any trials and tribulations. We are. Christ told us that we are. Okay? But I want everyone to know that we can have the peace that passes all understanding in knowing Jesus Christ. He will give us the peace in turmoil. He will give us the peace when you know, you're, you're going through something and you don't understand what it is. He will give you peace in that. Okay? I mean, when this economy collapses, He can give you joy and peace. Okay? Because we already know what's going to happen. Alright? We already know that this is all going to happen, but the joy and peace of it might be that someone you've been witnessing to that doesn't think that any of this is going to happen when they see it happen, might say, you know what? That person was telling me the truth. I might want to just believe in this Jesus that they've been telling me about and get my life right with him. That's right. You know, we don't know what kind of an impact we have on people by following Jesus Christ, walking in the path of the straight and narrow, and taking on his yoke, which is easy, and his burden is light, and following after him, and having that meekness and lowliness of spirit and for women wanting to be a virtuous woman knowing what that really entails and for men wanting to be a real man through Jesus Christ and what that really entails and you know we don't know what kind of an impact we have on someone else by living a godly life the Bible even in in Peter talks about that the way that we live that people that are not in Jesus Christ might see the way that we live and believe on him before the day of visitation. So the thing is, is that our lives, the reason why we have to be an acceptable 
life before Jesus Christ is yes to serve him but it's also to show forth other people why do you live this way mm-hmm. why are you acting this way what 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 is causing you to be this way and you can tell them it's not me it's having Jesus Christ in me That's right. it's having that joy and that peace within me my car may break down on the side of the road and you say alright Lord I know you got a plan for this for some reason <laughs> I give it all to you but if we're of the word and if we're of the carnally mind, what kind of a God would let this happen? <laughs> that's right. And that's what we gotta understand. We gotta know. We gotta know. We gotta have the assurance of our salvation. We gotta know why we live for Jesus Christ. We have to know the reason of hope that is in us to tell every man. We gotta know. We can't just say, I believe in Jesus Christ. Why? Man, mm-hmm. the crickets will be louder than you. Okay, we got to know why we have that hope within us. <laughs> so, we can't just say, well, I believe in Jesus Christ because my parents told me I should. Or my grandmother told me I should. Or my pastor told me I should. Or my friends told me I should. <laughs> we got to know why we believe in Jesus Christ. And the reason of that is right here in the scripture. Amen. That's the reason why. We have to know. But it's not just head knowledge. It's heart knowledge too, okay? It is a true nature change. We got to come out of that bondage that the world keeps us under, okay? If you got a problem with anything in this life, it is not greater than Jesus Christ. Know that for surety. If you're going through something that you do not think that you can give up, you can give it up in Jesus Christ. But you got to want to stay away from it too. Amen. All right. Um, let's go to First Corinthians. 2 and 12 and 13 verses 12 and 13 I should say 1 Corinthians 2 verses 12 and 13 and I'll read one of the thing and then we'll be done I'm not even in the right chapter alright furthermore when I came to Trios to preach Christ to preach Christ's gospel. 2 Corinthians or 1 Corinthians? That was in the wrong Corinthians. I was like, but that don't look right. <laughs> Here we go. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God that we might know the things that are freely given us of God, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom doth teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. So, when the Lord comes to us, and He imparts His Holy, His Holy Spirit to us, and He changes our life, this is something that the world cannot understand. And it is not the world's wisdom. Okay, the world's wisdom is Satan's philosophy. It's man's philosophy. It's things to say, have your best life now. Okay, it's things to basically keep us selfish in our sensual, soulish nature. That is what we are. And like you were saying, and it is true, if we without God are beasts. And we will do everything that that beast nature tells us to do. 
And I know because I live like the world for many years. I live like the world. Okay? Y'all know my story, but I'll tell it again anyways. You know, at least parts of it. <laughs> but, and I know that the Lord had his hand on me. I was raised in church. When I got out on my own, the last thing I wanted to do was have anything to do with church. All right? And I would rebel. And there was another pastor that said it too. I went and I joined the Navy. And I did. And I did everything that, you know, a sailor <laughs> says they do. You know, I drank like a sailor, cursed like a sailor. You know, I had relationships that I shouldn't have had. But the Lord, through that, had his hand on me. Why? Because he knew down the road I would change. But it is a nature change. Now, when the Lord came to me, I was in a very bad position. I was an alcoholic. I was smoking cigarettes. I had my own idea of who God was and what he was doing. And, you know, I was on the road to being a homosexual had the Lord not changed my life. Because as Romans 1 said, I was almost to the point of being reprobate the way I was living. And lasciviousness, you know, fornication, lasciviousness, doing sexual immoral, immorality that should never be in a person's life if we're serving God. And I was going through a whole bunch of stuff, and the Lord delivered me, even me, a wretched sinner. And if he can deliver me, I'm telling you, yes, he can deliver anybody. Amen. We have to give our life over to him. And now, I want to be like the virtuous woman of Proverbs 31. That's what I want to be. And the Lord changed my life. And I'm telling you women out there today, it is not an impossibility to still want to be that. If, right? if you want to be a strong woman, be a strong woman in Jesus Christ. Find out what that really means. Okay? Because right now, the yoke of this world is telling women... The bondage of this world is telling women that you can be the CEO of a company. You ain't got time for a man. You ain't got time for children. This is what you're going to be. And I'm not saying that you can't be, you know, you can't have a job and be successful. But be successful in Jesus Christ. Let him guide your life. Because I'm telling you, through my own experience, that if we go out and we live like the world and you want to be married, you ain't, you're not going to know how to be married because the world has just dealt treacherously with an individual. You will be like Swiss cheese trying to be married, and it's not going to happen. You know, the idea today is, well, I'll go plant my wild oats, and then when I'm done doing all that and living my life, then I'll get married and settle down. You are destined for failure in that area if you live like the world and plant your wild oats and then try and be married because you're going to compare every relationship to that woman or that man to every relationship you've had in the past it will not work and you'll have a soul tie that you'll have you'll spend time with the Lord trying to have those things removed mm -hmm. because your soul is tied to other individuals that you slept with exactly. that union that only God meant to be and only God can restore you to wholeness mm -hmm. and to the state of virginity even as far as being clean, never being touched to be offered into marriage again 
as you had intended to be. Only the Spirit of God can do that through the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. In the name of Jesus in the Christ. Name of Jesus. Yep. And we just recently added a, a new Bible study. It's Soul Ties. Go under soundtheministries.com and look for Sound Soul Ties. Soundthetrumpetministries.com and look for Soul Ties. That was a really good um, Bible study that was just recently added. All right, so, all right, from here, let's go to Hebrews 2 and You just finished reading First uh, Corinthians 2. And I did. You said comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Oh. That was it. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was only reading 12 and 13. Oh, okay. All right. All right. All right, from here, Hebrews 2, verse 14. All right, Hebrews 2 and 14. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil. So, what this is saying here is, is that Jesus Christ came in the likeness. If you read back in uh, Romans chapter 8, Jesus Christ came in the likeness of flesh. He put on this flesh and he died on the cross for us why so that way he could destroy the power of the devil through the through his um excuse me the power of death that is the devil so what this is saying here is is that when christ died on calvary and he went into hell and he grabbed the keys and he ascended back into heaven that basically in a nutshell, destroyed what the devil was trying to do. Okay? Now, from thenceforth, the devil has tried to deceive many people through false religions and false prophets and false pastors and stuff like that. And he, unfortunately, has done so. But, Jesus Christ, through that gift of eternal life and salvation by following him, you would not, when it says you will not taste death, you would not taste the second death. You would not end up in hell. You would not end up in the lake of fire. And that is what Christ came here to destroy. Verse 15. And deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. So, there was a fear of death. They were in bondage of that. Why? Because they did not have the Lord Jesus Christ in their life. He came to set them free from that. Verse 16. For verily he took not on him the nature of angels. But he took on the seed of Abraham. Which means he took on our flesh. <clears throat> Wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren. That he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God. To make reconciliation for sins of, of the people. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to secure them that are tempted. So what this is saying here is, is that Christ didn't come in the form of an angel. You know, he came in the form of us. He took on this flesh that we are born into. You know, he basically took it on like a dirty old coat. 
that had been stuck in the mud filled with lice and other things. You know, because Christ, he came from greatness. And he had to put on this flesh. But why did he do it? He did it so he could save us. He did it so he could change our lives. He did it so we would might have a nature change and come out of the world and be just like Jesus Christ. That we would have that nature. 1 John 3 says, those that are born of God do not sin. The Bible does not contradict itself. Okay? But we have to be wanting to get to that level. The way we do it, give up the burden of this world. Give up the yoke of this life that causes you to have heavy burdens upon you. You know, individuals today, I'm not speaking hate, but if there's anyone out there today that is suffering with a homosexual life, come out of that bondage. Let the Lord deliver you. Let him free you from that. Let him show you what he has created you to be. You will be freed. Anyone that's dealing with fornication, come out of that. Let the Lord free you. Anyone who's dealing with idolatry, you think that you can't give up TV, you think that you can't give up those video games or anything else, give it to the Lord and he can free you. Okay? The Bible says that he can do that. He came in the likeness of his creation to free his creation. Okay? Christ did not do anything wrong. He did not have one sin in him. The devil tried to tempt him. You can read that in Matthew 4. The devil tried to tempt him basically saying, I will give you all of this if you just, you know, worship me. Or said, thou will worship the Lord thy God. Basically telling Satan, hey, you know what? I've created everything. How are you going to give me what I created? You know, but and that's what the devil tries to do as well. Okay, the Lord's saying here, I will secure him that is tempted. You know why? Because if this devil comes and he tempts us, and we don't give one thought to it, the Lord will deliver us. Okay? If we pray and fast our way through it, if we say, Lord, deliver me from this, he will exactly do that. So, I know tonight was not a very long study. That's pretty much what I have, but I'm just asking everyone to pray about it. If you feel like you have a yoke of bondage that you cannot come on, get it from underneath, give it to the Lord, and he will deliver you. So. Amen. That's right. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. Mm -hmm. Heavenly Father, we come before you again, Lord, with bowed heads and humbled hearts and contrite spirits. We just want to thank you, Lord, for another day not promised to us. Lord, we ask that you forgive us of our sins and our iniquities and our shortcomings and our transgressions, Lord, and those things that place a veil between you and us. Lord, I'm so grateful for this time I have with my sister in Christ that we get to study your word and uplift your name. Another day, Lord, that we get to learn more about what you have called us to do and your work being done through individuals that are vessels that you have found fit to use. And I'm asking that you expound upon these gifts. I'm asking, Lord, that you pour the increase that we may be more, Lord, in due time that we may meet whatever the situation demands because we will be full of your spirit. And I'm asking for all attacks of the flesh, all things that come against us, Lord, lay them down beneath your feet that your people may see clearly, that they may know what their path is because it will be made clear because our eyes will stay focused on you. I'm asking, Lord, that these teachings reach those, Lord, who people that have never heard this before, 
I'm asking that this goes as far as the gospel can go, Lord, in this world. I'm asking, Lord, that your spirit will pour out mightily upon your people, that we may do all that is necessary, Lord, for building, Lord, and helping to reprove the body of Christ. For you said, Lord, either we gather with you or we scattereth. And if we are unproductive in the kingdom of God, unproductive fruit, tears that never become wheat. And those, Lord, who are always going left when you are calling us to go right will be hewn down and cast into the fire. So I'm asking, Lord, that we just stay up under your grace. I'm asking, Lord, that you can forgive us for every filthy sin, every filthy thought, every thought, every bit of language, Lord, that we may have spoken or thought to speak. Lord, I'm asking that you continue to change our nature, that we may be made whole. For you said that he that began a good work in you will finish it. And we know, Lord, that you hold your word above your name. And I'm just asking, Lord, that you bind every foul spirit out there, every demonic spirit, every spirit of error, every spirit of contention, every spirit of confusion, Lord, every spirit of jealousy, malice, hatred, every spirit of rejection, unbelief, every antichrist spirit, every spirit of fear, Lord, all things that come against your body or those, Lord, that can be one to you. Lord, I'm asking that you break these strongholds for Christ in us, Lord, is the hope of glory. And I'm asking, Lord, that your spirit continues to fall. I'm asking, Lord, that we be cleaned and made righteous with every study, every time we open your word, every time we go on our knees before you in prayer. Lord, let us be changed. Let us be transformed. Let the old man die so that you can live. For you are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are faithful, just, and true, and worthy of all praises. And we just want to say thank you, Lord. Thank you for being an awesome Savior. Thank you for being an awesome God. Thank you for having your spirit, Lord, in the right place at the right time, that you found me when I was lost, that you found us, Lord, when we were down and out and hopeless and headed for hell. Just another display of your love, that your timing is impeccable, Lord, and there's nothing that the enemy can do to go against you. So let us, Lord dwell with you, be our covering, be our refuge, Lord, in the time of rain, be our foundation, Lord, in the time of quicksand all around us. Let us stay strong upon this rock and let you build upon us, Lord, as vessels fit for you to use. Forgive our sins, Lord. Forgive our iniquities. Build us. Strengthen us, Lord, that we may not be hypocrites. For you, Lord God, have walked it out perfectly. And we are to be holy as you are holy. So we just ask, Lord, that you do these things for your glory and for your honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.